0: Welcome to this Blackhawks Hockey Ringcast episode 43, exclusively sponsored by the premium hockey outfitters at puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Use discount code the rink to get 10% off of all of your orders and all of their brand new gear and your get your cannibal corpse stuff. <laughs> but they do seriously have some really good hockey gear there and uh, head over there, check them out, buy some stuff, buy some rink gear too. That's really excellent. So uh, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, today is Wednesday, February 6th, 2019. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper.
1: That's the joy of the Jeffrey, you see. It goes away, but then it comes back. What's up, Jack?
0: <laughs> and I'm joined by my good friend, co host, and fellow grumpy old guys. First of all, we have Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, sir.
2: Hello. If it don't got that dash, it don't got
0: that cash. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Nice. Also, joining us today, it's a, a veteran of Blackhawks podcasting <laughs> from HockeyNight.com. We have the great forklift, the great dan, the best dancer on the podcast, probably right,
1: without question. <laughs> well, only because, well, actually, only because Chris Block's not here. But <laughs> I will also say that it's a shame that he's not here because. Since it is episode forty-three, he could express his undying love for James Wisniewski.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know we missed him. He's, you know what? I actually, I actually was DMing with him, and he was—I think he's still in Vegas from the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> which, which should come to a surprise uh, is a surprise to nobody.
2: Yes. I'm whose clothing line has been more successful, ours or James Wisniewski's. I'm going to bet ours.
0: <laughs> it's real close. <laughs> we think we've no, sold God,
2: seven I, pieces, so I, I forgot all about Wiswear. Yeah, <laughs> it was a thing back in 2010.
0: Well, before we get oh. too far into this, because you know, forklift is is like you know in the Hall of Fame of podcast guests in Chicago. I, I pulled this this wonderful clip out for him.
1: New kids on a bunch hits, Chinese food makes me sick and
0: I think it's I there you go <laughs> 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 slash scene there you go yep so that's how we're gonna start things out here and for people who don't understand what that might mean just go to forklift's uh, Twitter account and you will see him corresponding back and forth with those very same words.
1: Yeah, Morph and I, we've we've been doing LFO crap for years, and now every so often we save it now. So anytime somebody who's in both of our timelines will somehow start discussing music, um, <laughs> that's generally when uh, the LFO the LFO role will occur.
0: Yeah, then and you get. You get this. You get.
1: Then
0: the I, the the I had to make sure I get the whole verse in there for you because I know <laughs> that's how far you guys go with it.
1: And I remember, I remember the first time I ever heard that song. I was getting my hair cut, and
0: I don't know what that's like.
1: <laughs> well, well, no, you go to the bowling alley and stick your head in the ball polish Well, <laughs> but, but hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I was getting my hair cut and this song came on and I wasn't you know, I wasn't paying it much mind until I, I don't know if it was the, the great Larry Bird number thirty-three or that that was the line, or the Billy Shakespeare wrote a whole bunch of sonnets. But all of a sudden I got you get that what the fuck am I listening to? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. More people should should say that when they hear that song, but <clears throat>
1: Well, at this point, uh, well, one of the meta things was one of the times that we did the LFO roll on somebody, mm-hmm. the LFO Twitter account started liking it. <laughs> so like, oh my god, it's like at this point, I think they owe us money.
0: <laughs> well, there are plenty. There's a long list of people who probably owe you guys money, right? <laughs> like the British Muscle Bears and <laughs> oh. Yeah
1: and <laughs> nbc sportsnet chicago they they at least owe us the cost of a dinner at the Grammys.
0: yes or at yeah. the emmys pardon me yeah
1: it's all right you know it, it was fun while it lasted and you know people people stole our jokes and they stealing stealing my jokes never bothered me people did it and i was fine with it because everybody knew they were my jokes anyway but people would bite the photoshops that morph and some of the other people did. And that was what always bugged me. It's like, guys, come on, you know, me staying, me saying stupid shit is like fish swimming. It just happens organically. (laughs) So if people, if people want to bite that, it's fine. I have this never ending supply of idiotic things that I will say, but the photoshops actually required work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they did.
1: And you know, Probably probably the brightest spot of Joel Quenville getting fired was the fact that people could no longer bite the Joel Quenville Prices Right wheel photoshop.
0: Yeah, that was stolen so many times.
1: And what would be funny is that whenever it got stolen, people... Because one of the very early, early photoshops... And forgive me for getting a little bit off the rails here and giving you a little Hockey Night lore. <laughs> but but um, what happened was when Ben Smith first came up and he had the goal in the playoffs, and everybody thought he was the next big thing, in the meantime, you know, he was Ben Smith. And uh, I said to Morph, do me a favor, make me a Photoshop of Mr. Incredible in a Blackhawks sweater, because I'm going to write a piece on Ben Smith. I'm going to call him Mr. Ben Credible, and just <laughs> give me Mr. Incredible in a Blackhawk sweater. Mm. So he gives me Mr. Incredible in a Blackhawk sweater, which in the in the scheme of Photoshops, is particularly as the site went on and our our idiocy grew, it was a fairly simple ask, fairly simple delivery. And it got stolen almost immediately. So we said, Okay, we've gotta come up with some way that people know that these are hockey night photoshops and we didn't wanna watermark them. Mm-hmm. And that is when we decided to put our dear friend BC into our, he became our Alfred E. Newman.
0: We could write a book on hockey night lore with all of these, all of these (laughs) references.
1: You know, I, it's the thing that I always had fun with, with the site is the fact that we would have all these dumb jokes and everybody, and we would never cut anyone out of the joke. We would never make these gags and not, let everyone participate. Because, you know, an inside joke is only fun when you're on the inside with the joke. So everybody got to be in. It was an inside joke that everybody got to be in on. Duh, and or hello. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And we had we had fun with it, but the Price is Right thing, the thing that makes me laugh with that one is the first, one of the people who bid it took Uh, took BC off of Joe Quenville's forum. They clearly knew enough to take BC out of the Photoshop because that was our, more or less our watermark. But they left in like the bottle of the tube of V, they left in drunk cane, they left in the bottle of Mallory, they left in every, because by the end of hockey night, every Photoshop, there was like five or six required items that were in every Photoshop.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no, I remember them all. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the thing I loved was the fact that at, by the end, we had three or four people doing Photoshops. And all I would have to do is just give a high-level idea. Like the Price is Right wheel. I said, hey, can you give me Joe Quenville spinning the Price is Right wheel with all Blackhawk sweater numbers on it? That's all I asked for. And that Photoshop is what Morph gave me, which was so much better than anything I could have ever envisioned. Nailed it! Yep. Mm. <laughs>
0: So for those of you who aren't familiar with Hockey Night, um, that's a little bit of a history on Hockey Night. They've been around. You guys have been around for a long time. I mean, you guys are a big inspiration for me to start, like, doing the podcast thing uh, back oh, when yeah, I started. Oh, yeah, you stole from us. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was the, a story I told on the other thing was that I used to do the good, the bad, and the ugly as well. But it was I didn't even know you guys existed. I just did it. you know. And then I saw you guys did it. And I'm like, all right, well, what do I do now? I could stop doing well, it. I could stop doing it because it's been pointed out, but then that would be like, I would feel like I was guilty, so just continued to do it. Yeah, and we didn't care. Yeah, Yeah. it was more of an homage.
1: I actually think CT was the first one to do the good, the bad, and the ugly, but the one, another little piece of Hockey Night lore is both CT and I are huge, huge aficionados of 60s westerns, Mm -hmm. and we could probably do a podcast every week for a year where all we do is talk about you know sergio leone's western magnificent seven i think our audience is
0: our audience is going who what
1: yeah well sergio leone was the yeah for for those uninitiated get initiated because they're fucking awesome but sergio leone directed the great spaghetti Westerns, the three great ones with Clint Eastwood, which were fistful of dollars for a few dollars more and the good, the bad and the ugly. He also did once upon a time in the West. And then when Clint did unforgiven, that was basically his homage to Sergio Leone. But anyway, so yeah, so CT started the good CT usually had the really good ideas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> CT, would, yeah. Yeah. CT really good too. I, I had him on the, the uh, shout a couple times too. He's re- yeah. I-, I love him. He's funny as hell. Yeah, he's
1: he actually was the one because we we decided we wanted to do a Blackhawks blog, and we had no idea exactly what we wanted to do with it. We you know we had friends. We had Andy Dolan who did Decepio. We had uh, Bad Kermit who did uh, Hire Jim Essien, which were really good Cub sites. Mm-hmm. And there really wasn't a presence for for the Blackhawks. You had Black was already doing third man in, and people, I don't remember who they were that were doing second city hockey. And, you know, black was kind of a, you know, he was very drilled down and analytic. Even back then second city hockey was kind of there. Yeah. And, but there was nobody just having fun. And that, that was what we wanted to do. And we, Actually, we actually started running just before Killian and Fell started doing. I think they did Here Come the Hawks before they took over Second City Hockey. Um, I think that was the name of their website. I could be wrong. They'd know better than me. But yeah, basically, we were thinking we kind of wanted to do humor, and we thought about maybe doing uh, something like something similar to what the blue line had been. Mm-hmm. And then right when we got started, the it was Pittsburgh and Detroit, Pittsburgh. In the Stanley Cup final. And Detroit won, and CT posted an article, Detroit wins the Stanley Cup, a nation weeps. And I was like, this is it. This is what we're yeah. going to
0: do. Right. Well, um, also, hey, we're, we're going to be full of inside jokes this whole night, probably. But we also have Blackhawk stuff to talk about. Hey, yay, Right. Um, uh, yeah, the one they're over...
1: fucking it up.
0: Yeah, they're fucking it up. All right. Well, before we get <laughs> we rolling,
1: scoring... this is where we are is where they scored five goals in the third period. And after each one, I went, God damn it. Yeah.
0: No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> well, before we get into all the stuff that's going on, because it's been a couple of weeks, I'm going to, I'm going to rattle off some of the stats of what's going on right now and how they've changed in the couple of weeks that we have in podcasting. Uh, Hawk stats, they're 22, 24 and nine. 51 points, tied for seventh in the central, 25th overall. Uh, they're up from 28th, so they moved three spots. It's going to become crucial later. Uh, goal differential, they went up just a little bit. They're still negative 25. Faceoffs, uh, they went up slightly. Uh, penalty kill uh, went up a little bit, actually, uh, in percentage points, but they're still uh, last in the league. Uh, the power play went up nine spots, and we'll talk about that a little bit too, up over three percentage points. Uh, goals for, they went up a little bit. Goals against, they're right uh, where they were before. Uh, shots against per game, they're right where they were before. Uh, possession <laughs> went down slightly. Uh, Corsi up slightly in Fenwick. And uh, high, da- high danger save percentage went up, which is another thing uh, mm-hmm. that's going to equate what we're talking about mm-hmm. later and uh in the their safe percentage their five on five safe percentage just uh stayed right where it was at so that's where the blackhawks are now they've won five in a row all of a sudden uh chicago media is mad at us <laughs> because we keep pointing out that we keep trying to point out that i'm stop stop giving people this false hope stop doing this just because they won five games in a row doesn't mean a damn thing right at this point in time i mean it's, it's more likely they are the the team they were before they won five games, then they are, you know, the team during that five game stretch. So, <clears throat> so what's going on right now is now all of a sudden, everyone thinks, well, f- screw the draft, screw everything. The Blackhawks have to try to get into that last part of the playoffs or that, that last wild card slot in the playoffs. So they can get the playoffs to get stomped in the first round and get a mediocre draft pick in the summer. Right, John?
2: <laughs> yeah. But, but then nothing has to change. I mean, then the, the one goal party continues for another year and we kick the can down the road another year. Brent Seabrook gets another year closer to Social security um, you know Duncan Keith loses any trade value he has at this point if with another year on his on his tires um you know it's it's the whole th- I mean it's just I don't know I mean I I, I didn't enjoy watching the Hawks lose to the uh, Blues in seven games um, three years ago. I enjoyed even less seeing them get swept by Nashville the next year. Um, so if by some miracle, and at this point it's still pretty much miracle, still pretty much candle lighting um, and praying novenas at this point that they get into the playoffs, um, I, they're not going to, they're, they're, the team is not built for the playoffs. The, this, this roster does really well as a lot of these teams have the last few years, the Hawk teams in the last few years, they do well in three on three they don't have that in the playoffs. It's 5 on 5 in overtime in the playoffs. And you know, playoff hockey there's a lot less open ice. There's a lot more grinding along the walls and in front of the nets and just physical warfare that this team isn't built for and the great Eric Gustafson will be exposed. Um I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Like and that's the one that's so that's the one reason I'm praying that they, may, that they get their two home playoff games so then we can stop all this nonsense about you know Eric Gustafson, wow. finally. I mean, he's a, yes, he's a very good offensive defenseman. He's a terrible defensive defenseman. And I saw a wonderful graphic from Charting Hockey today that proves it.
1: Um, not, that, not that seeing it doesn't prove it for some people, but that's fine. Eric Gustafson is basically worse Mike Green. yeah exactly
2: Exactly. yeah or much worse letang
1: well well what i'm hoping is that between now and the deadline uh there's some gm out there with a second round pick burning a hole in his pocket who thinks that you know maybe gustafson can be actual mike green and you know visions of that slap shot in the playoffs and you know the hawks can the hawks got to move him anyway because they need to make room for some of the younger guys next year and he's one of the guys who some gm out there will find some some attraction to him
2: yeah, you know? before you say that they have to move him the hawks are talking about extending him and paying him a lot of money now maybe that's all smokescreen and i it, I is. Kind of, it is
1: i think it absolutely is i think well, they're
2: then you know, that's blackhawks
1: the blackhawks like to talk guys up when you hear guys getting talked up especially when you know the the strip gets passed to Olchek and Foley you know those are the guys that are you know being put out by the cash register to get moved
2: I don't know because they were they were ripping Nick Schmaltz apart for the last four weeks before he got
1: traded yeah so I, hear, and, I hear what you're saying but I hear what you're saying
2: there's there's yeah. some truth
1: to that but Nick the Nick Schmaltz deal was a different deal because that was two teams throwing in the towel on first round picks.
2: Yeah. And
1: right. you know, before Schmaltz got hurt, it was one of these trades where both guys were definitely feeling their oats after a change of scenery. And, you know, Dillonstrom, I I wanted to give it twenty games before I became any kind of a Dillonstrom believer, and he's I mean, there's certainly things, parts of his game that need work, yeah. but he definitely, apparently all he really needed was just to get out of Arizona. Yeah. He's, you know, he's looking like a guy that the Blackhawks, he's the type of guy that the Blackhawks can look at as somebody who can be part of that next. Agreed. Uh, yeah. That next yeah. upswing. Yep. We like him too.
2: Yeah,
0: um, for sure. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, but, I I honestly think, and I'm, I'm starting to think this more and more because, because I am seeing this from people, uh, writers that um, I, I think actually know what they're talking about, with this narrative that the Blackhawks, you know, maybe uh, put 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 the rebound or uh, go down the other road or, or the other fork in the road, and now they got to start going for the playoffs, and they have to do that because the draft is uh, the draft doesn't mean you know it could be anything you could get uh, you know a box of melons in the draft or something like that.
2: That that well, that, is- so that mindset to me. is it's just ridiculous. I mean, how, how else are you going to improve this roster that clearly needs improvement? I mean, I've you know, heard this, this dream that all of these uh, prospect defensemen that they have that are in college or junior right now, none of them have played any pro hockey at all, are going to come in next year and transform this team. But all of those guys, all of those guys, best-case scenario, they all – right now are known for being weak in their own end. All of them, Mitchell, uh, Bulkvist, uh, Dan, um, and Chris, they're all, that's, that, that's the wrap on all of them. So, you know, at some point you've gotta have, you've gotta have some defensemen who can defend because this team gives up a hellacious amount of shots. Now, last couple of games, that has not been the case, that's great, but that's, that's a very, very small sample size bordering on statistical anomaly. Right. Uh, right. In terms of, you know, the the arc of this team this year, this team gives up a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. This team is not good at protecting their own blue line. Um, and, you know, Cam Ward has had a couple of times in this in this win streak. I mean, big time. You're, that's that's not going to continue to happen. So at some point. You know, they're gonna they, they, they need to add some defensemen, quite honestly, that I don't think are in the organization right now. They had a chance with Evan Bouchard or with Noah Dobson in in this last draft, but there's no there are no players like that at the top of this, this coming draft. So, you know, I don't but but the bottom line is, you know, and the the, the the argument I heard just an hour ago on Twitter was, well, you know, draft picks don't work, just ask the Oilers. Yeah, well okay, well, ask the Winnipeg Jets because that yeah. whole team yeah. That whole team, which is arguably maybe the best team in the West this year, was built on first round picks that they got because they sucked for a few years. And, well, and go
1: ahead when for, the Chicago, the Chicago Blackhawks, Blackhawks, Blackhawks started this run, they had Taze, had, they had Kane, yeah. they had Versteeg, they had Keith, they had Seabrook, they had Buffalo. I mean, the all up and down that roster were all Blackhawks draft picks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they went out and they got Hosa, and they got, I mean, John Madden was the guy who was their guru but overall that team was pretty much a homegrown hockey team and you know the fact is this year's draft it behooves the blackhawks for their rebuild to be terrible and to you know even if you don't get jack hughes there's still enough quality players the first 10 picks are going to be guys that are going to be able to make the blackhawks a better team in a couple of years and maintain and, you know, continue to be a good team once they get here. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, everybody's looking at Jack Hughes and Jack Hughes is, he's a guy who can definitely transform a franchise, but then there's guys like Dylan cousins out there who, you know, he's a big body. He's what? Six foot three center, I think. And, you know, he's the type of guy where if you don't get Hughes, you get cousins instead you know he and Dylan Strom can be part of your down the middle for the next generation of successful blackhawks
0: well the th- the th- mm-hmm. the other thing I find funny is that all along we've heard for years you know and, and John and I have you know, been pretty hard on Bowman I don't know that necessarily all of it is his fault because I think you know the the people ahead of you know above him uh you know make decisions like re-sign Bickle or uh give you know Seabrook this you know, gift of a contract that is going to now strap your team. But I, would well, co- I will, I will, go, an Albatross
1: contract, I will go to my, I will go to my grave defending the Bickle contract. Um, because at the time he signed for four years, 16 million. And that same year you had uh, Clarkson, you had, uh, you had yeah. Flo, and you had Nathan yeah. Horton yeah. all signing more years, more money. So whatever you want to say about that Bickle deal for a power forward coming off the couple of years that he had had yeah. going into that contract. He was a bargain. You know, the fact that the fact that he got hurt and I mean the MS, I mean, nobody yeah, could see that. that. Yeah, You can't predict but, that. Yeah. But that was a fine signing just because it, it didn't work out, but it wasn't because Brian Bigel suddenly forgot to play hockey. There were right. other things going on there. So the pickle contract now, the Seabrook contract, and I will also say the Kane and Taves contracts, I firmly believe that that was something that the Blackhawks have, and they'll never acknowledge it, but it exists, which is a bleed that comes from business ops over and hockey ops. So the Blackhawks overpaid for Kane, overpaid for Taves, overpaid for Seabrook when they were not bidding against anybody. They were bidding against themselves.
2: They gave those contracts a full year before those players' contracts were expired. Same thing with Anisimov, a full year
0: before oh, yeah.
2: his deal, was, deal was expired. Before he had I mean, ever so, taken the ice. You could debate Kane and Tate whether whether they're overpaid or not. Some you know, there's 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 a a, a rational debate there. But Seabrook at nearly seven million a year and Anisimov at four and a half million a year. Signed a full year before their contracts were expired, long-term deals with no movement clauses. That's 11 million dollars worth of cap hit that they're dealing. And you know, again, those graphics that I was looking at today for um, you know zone exits and zone entries. Um, Brent Seabrook is the worst is the worst defenseman on the Hawks in in in, in those very important metrics and. Uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for his leadership, for what he's given the franchise, but he doesn't play anything like a $7 million defenseman. No. And th- those those contracts, in terms of the space they take up in your salary cap, are crippling. They're crippling. So this idea that you wouldn't deal Brent Seabrook or Artem Anisimov at the deadline, because you might get two home playoff games, it, it, I mean, any GM who thinks that way should be summarily shown the door immediately. I mean well,
1: just... You know I I think the problem there is you've got a you know, you've you've got some cars on your lot and then those two are right. angels. Nobody wants right. them.
2: Right. Nobody wants them.
1: Right. I
2: mean, yeah, and that's the other that's the other lecture I got yesterday from some guy. Oh, it's gonna be so easy to trade a Isom off this off season off <laughs> season and then yeah. in quote, Stan will have twenty five million dollars and be sitting pretty. I guess this guy's on a first first name relationship with Stan. But, you know, regardless, they've been trying – they, I know for a fact, they've been trying to move Anisimov for two years. And, allegedly, the best offer they've gotten is a third-round pick from Columbus.
1: Yeah. Now, here's the other thing that I've I've mentioned a couple times, and it doesn't really get talked about a lot, which is the CBA. Now, in September, the owners do have – the ability, if they choose, to opt out of the CBA. And at which point, they can redraw the salary cap, do compliance buyouts, all that jazz. A lockout. So that would be a
2: lockout, basically.
1: Correct. Yeah. Now, I will believe until facts prove otherwise that this is going to happen. And when it does, that is going to be how the Blackhawks get out from under yeah, see uh
2: Kate's gate and, yeah, and, yeah. Kate, Kate and I've been saying that
0: for a year uh, a little over a year now I but. said it when when he uh when they announced that deal I said it on the shoutcast that uh he's going to be that Searrook will end up being a compliance buyout yeah there's and, no way
1: and it's a shame it's a shame that that is how the Blackhawks are going to say goodbye to somebody who's just been an absolute lion for the franchise yeah you I know agree. they don't win you know, he and Keith are the two remaining guys from the dollar bill era. None of the Stanley Cups happened without Brent Seabrook. Right. And, Duncan Keith. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, but they're going to have to buy out Seabrook, and he's going to have this unceremonious exit from the Blackhawks, which, yeah. you know, after a thousand games really isn't the way you'd like to treat a guy like that, but they're really left with no options.
0: Yeah. And and I hate that I have to qualify this because I'm always considered a hater because I apparently hate everything. I hate fun. But I've got a – sitting right behind me in the closet, I've got a Brent Seabrook jersey. I mean, it's an authentic jersey. I spent a lot of money on it because Brent Seabrook was my favorite player on the team. But that does not defend any of this. I can't defend any of it. Like, Seabrook was offered a contract. He signed it. That's not his fault. It, right. It, you know, the guys that uh, that offered him that contract are the ones that need to be, you know, crucified
1: and and again i think that that mm. came as much from business ops as it did from hockey ops i think that was oh yeah yeah john mcdonough wanting to keep those wanting to keep the band together even when it was time for some of them to go
0: yeah and and rewarding these rewards that they're just handing out it's just not smart i mean I, we were bringing it up today and we were kind of talking in in our private chat about it and i'm like you know The Blackhawks, if they want to stay on top, like, say, the Patriots, you have to make shrewd moves.
1: You can't be throwing
0: out extra millions and extra years and extra this and extra that and doing favors, signing Chris Kunitz, you know, so he can get, you know, whatever the the game limit is that he wants to try and get this year. Even though he's not helping the team, all these favors and these gifts they're giving to people is a complete opposite of what, like, other successful teams do. They don't do stuff like that. Yeah, there comes a
1: time where you've got to be ice cold. And I honestly believe that if they had been left alone, you know, Scotty and Stan Bowman would have been able to do that. I...
0: I don't, you don't, Frank,
1: you're, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, there's certain things that have happened which are just pure sentimentality, and look... Okay, when you when you look at the Blackhawks website, it says general manager Stan Bowman. Yeah. The big hockey decisions are made by Scotty, which is, you know, it's not by accident that Barry Smith was behind the Blackhawks bench when right. Joel Quenneville right. got fired. You know, th- this is Scotty's show. I mean, Stan Stan gets the credit, but and and Scotty Bowman is a guy, you know, he he Look, he had a roster filled with Hall of Famers in Montreal, but he still knew when it was time for those guys to go. Yeah. And you know, I honestly believe if he had been left alone to his own devices in Chicago, Seabrook would have never gotten extended. I don't. I think uh, there would have been a harder line with Kane and Taves. You know, when Kane and Taves signed those contracts, they signed for more. Over a million dollars more than Ovechkin, who at the time was the highest paid player in the and, NHL.
2: And a million dollars more than Malkin and
1: Crosby. Right. Yeah. And there's no way you can tell me that Stan Bowman, Scotty Bowman were not completely aware of how those contracts were going to hamstring them. Now, going, I'm going to go off a little bit on a tangent here because something happened this week that I thought was one of the most amazing things and this could be absolutely transformative in the NHL, which is Austin Matthews' contract. Yeah. Because what what Toronto did in structuring his contract, you know, when people talk about Canadian teams not winning the Stanley Cup, guess what? You mean if teams understand what happened with this Austin Matthews contract, Canadian teams will win the Stanley Cup in perpetuity. Because what they were able to do was structure his contract so almost all of his contract is being paid in bonuses, not in salary. And his salary, because he's an American player, his salary is being taxed as he's an American citizen. His bonuses, however, are being taxed at the Canadian tax rate of fifteen percent. So he's getting a, he's what he's getting paid on paper, and what he's taking home are dramatic, di- dramatically different mm-hmm. because of the way it's structured <clears> with <throat> almost all of his money coming and signing bonuses. And so I think this is something you're going to see more Canadian teams able to do, particularly when it comes to American players, where they will be able to s- sign American players, give them bonus-heavy contracts to get taxed at 15%. But... You know, that's the thing. When you can figure out a contract like the best, one of the most beautiful contracts in hockey history was the one that Stan Bowman gave to Duncan Keith, where there wasn't a huge variance. It wasn't like when Kovalchuk signed his contract and there were all these years at the back end that were at league minimum. Keith has this nice, gentle, curving slope down where mm-hmm. each year he gets paid a little bit less. So there's not this huge variance like Marion Hosa had. Or Hosa had these dive years that <clears throat> kept yeah, his
0: the last two or uh, three kept his,
1: Yeah, yeah. He had four dive years, which just happened to coincide with him becoming allergic to hockey. <laughs> and <laughs> but Duncan Keith is this nice kind of gentle curve. So the and it's a beautifully drawn up contract to where his actual salary is pretty much commensurate to his ability. Yeah, You know, he's not a Norris candidate anymore. He's not an elite defenseman, but he's not getting paid as one either. No. So right. it's a great contract. But right. Yeah. I, the Matthews contract, it's a real, it's a real boon out there for, like I said, for any Canadian team that wants to sign an American player. Like for instance, you know, when Ottawa gets that number one overall pick and they can draft Jack Hughes, oh wait, they don't have the number
0: one Yeah. Pick. Yeah. Welcome that, to Colorado. Like to,
1: that will be one of my favorite stories this summer is Otto, Otto getting the number one pick and not having it. Yeah, yeah I'm screwed. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like, how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where Home Advisor can help. From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start
0: your next project. Well, reeling it kind of back into the Hawks thing, I have this special little treat. It's a quote from a podcast from someone you guys made famous. Because I'm sick of timid... Little pants waiting GMs not doing anything because they claim that their terrible, terrible team is still in a playoff race that they're clearly not in, uh, just by pointing like back to the one time that Andrew Hammond won forty-seven games in a yeah. row and, the, and a team actually made the playoffs. And <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's down goes Brown, Sean McDaniel. Yeah, Sean okay. You guys made him famous, right?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Or at least yeah, that's we the running game. Yeah. We were kingmakers. Yeah, I I love Sean. He's he's great. He's I, you know this as much as I talk about how much fun we had with Hockey Night, I'm also very cognizant of the fact that you know the funniest stuff we ever did would wind up in Mac and Doe's wastebasket.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he's that's great. how
1: good he is. I,
0: actually, I, I I may reach out to him at some point to see if he, he'll come on with us. He, he's a really he's
1: good he's, he's a really good guy. Yeah. I, if if he's got the time for yeah. it, he absolutely will. And and if you want to get him going on a good tangent, just start talking about Wendell Clark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that that quote, I, when I was listening to uh, his new podcast that he does with Wyszynski, that quote mm-hmm. came out. And when I heard that quote, I'm like, that yep. is the Blackhawks right there. Yeah, That yep. is what's going on in Blackhawks land right now. And uh, luckily, at least us here and uh, the people that I respect, most of them, Uh, see that uh, this is kind of a mirage of what's going on and the Blackhawks need to continue down the path of ill repute uh, and, uh, you know, try to get a high draft pick, try to get that next uh, generational player because we used to hear all this, well, what's Stan going to do in the draft? We're always drafting late. We can't get any good players. So if, if, if he, you know, if his first round draft pick is a bust, well, you didn't get to draft early because we're so good. Well, you know what? Here's that time when they're not so good and they can get a high draft pick and they can replenish that stuff. But instead you, you, you'd rather they pick, you know, 15th overall and just pick some guy who may or may not, you know, he, he's not going to be the skill level of a Jack Hughes or anyone, anyone in the top, top of the draft you're gonna miss out on a chance to be able to get that next wave of what Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane were oh, in, in their prime.
2: Here's the problem. While we're having this discussion, while all this nonsense is getting spewed out on Twitter and people getting all riled up and and the, you know, the playoff fever, playoff fever has has overtaken <laughs> Panarin derangement syndrome as the greatest health crisis in the United States. Um, they
1: gotta bring that Panarin back, my friend.
2: That's right, my friend. Um, I'm just going gonna, gonna to inject a little reality here because here's, here's the really worst case scenario that the, the, the powers that be in the marketing department trumps hockey operations and they decide that they're going to not sell off any players at, at the trade deadline when there could be offers for some of these guys and, and the Hawks could lose some of these long term big money uh, salary commitments and also get some, some more draft picks in return, you know, real rebuilding stuff. Um, and so they're, they're going to, they're going to decide, decide not to do that. And then they'll miss the playoffs. They'll still miss the playoffs Cause here's why they're sitting, um, one, two, three, four, five spots out of a playoff spot as it is now, you know, all the, the, you know, breathy announcers on WGN are talking about the fact that they are only three points behind Vancouver for, for the second wild card. true. There are, however, four teams between the Hawks and that now one is Edmonton. You can make the argument they can, they can leapfrog Edmonton. Edmonton has one game in hand. Arizona is one is tied with them as well. They have one game in hand, however, too. You can make an argument that Arizona, uh, they could probably jump over them. Then you get to Colorado. Colorado is only one point ahead, but they have two games in hand. Now we're talking about three-point games the rest of the way. And as every, everybody should know, It's really hard to make up points when you've got three-point games happening almost every night toward the end of the season. Here's the other thing. There's a very strong argument that Colorado's a better team than the Hawks. Colorado's goal differential is zero. The Hawks is minus 25, okay? Then between, between the Hawks and the playoffs, and between Colorado and the playoffs, is the St. Louis Blues. They have three games in hand. They have two points on the Hawks. And they are also arguably a better team than the Hawks. So, and again, the Hawks are going to come back to earth here pretty soon. They're not going to, I don't think they're going to keep winning like this. And with every loss, it just becomes less and less likely. Um, it, so those of us who are rational, those of us who love the Hawks, but don't love the Hawks like a three-year-old loves its mommy. Um, those, <laughs> we we want the Hawks to get this high draft pick so we can rebuild and come back really strong in a couple years. Hopefully, Bulkfist is is healthy. Doesn't have any concussion issue, concussion issues because he's going to be a really good player if he's healthy in, in the National Hockey League. No question. So you've got some building blocks there. You got the you You got Strom. All good. I mean, maybe Gustafson's around and he's your power play quarterback and you know you shelter him five on five. Great. I'm on board. No problem. But that's what they have to do. So. But the problem is this nonsense that's out there about making the playoffs. I mean, if this emboldens the marketing department that they want to get and they, you know, and Rocky wants the income from the two playoff home playoff games, eh, what if they don't make it? Because they're not going to know whether they make it or not until after the trade deadline passes. Right. Discuss. Well,
1: I, I mean, I already know they're not making it, <laughs> but, you know, I don't have an office on Madison Street, so my opinion right. doesn't really matter. Right. Um. I, I just mean, the, the dumpster trade, on
0: Madison Street.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I least Is I it use, on fire. Well, I do an Airbnb every time Ryan Reeves comes into
0: town. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, well, the one th- uh, sorry for it. go ahead. You finish your thought. Well, I
1: was going to say, if you look at the, the moves the Blackhawks have made the last couple of trades they've made they're, they're It doesn't look really like they're they're trading for now. No, no um, agreed. agree. You, you know, they, they made the trade with uh, Los Angeles where they picked up a guy who is skating over in Europe and they'll try to bring him over for next season. Um, you know, and the the that Caligula guy. Yeah, Caligula. <laughs> yeah that, that gritty little Caligula. Yeah, he you know, that's one of these trades where it's I mean, you don't you don't go out and you get Kajula because you're trying to make the playoffs this year. Kajula, you know, he's a bottom six guy who, you know, he's someone you can say, okay, for the next couple of years, we can throw him on the bottom six. And the thing with Kajula, I mean, aside from the fact that it got Andreas Martinson, you know, back to the beef, beefaroo, um, <laughs> But the other thing, the other thing, <laughs> free plug for the beefaroo, <laughs> uh, <a> <laughs> but but you know it also now frees them up to move John Hayden because there are teams out there that are interested in john Hayden I you know the guy's got stone hands but he's a big body yeah. so you know he's he's a guy that he's one of those guys the Blackhawks are looking to move I'm still again I will believe it until the trade deadline comes and goes and he's still here but I I believe that Eric Gustafson's time in Chicago is short. Um, You know, as much as we'd love to believe, you know, we've already said Seabrook and and Anisimov, we'd love to see a taker for them, but there really aren't any. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, but they've, they're, if they, there's things they're doing where they're clearly framing more for the future. I mean, we, I know it's on the outline, and we were going to talk about it, but I'm, but I'm bringing it up now because this is kind of where I'm heading. Is, and that's what you we We're staying fact... with our outline, so go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. You remember the last time I read your outline, I was like, don't care about this, don't care about this. <laughs>
0: that's what I do every week. Of course. <laughs> we would expect nothing less. I don't uh, read it, you say, I don't care.
1: But, you know, the fact that there's they sent Yoki Haru down to Rockford. Mm-hmm just so he can you know he looked okay early in the season and you know as teams started to kind of write a book on him yeah. you know he was he was clearly starting to look like he was in over his head so send him down to rockford let him get used to the north american game you know and you know he can skate in rockford and be a big fish in a small pond for the rest of the season and you know he can be ready to come back in next year and be a contributor and you know that's that's a move if you're going for it now you can try to hang in there with a guy like Yoki Haru because he's got so much talent I agree but you know, know this so yeah you could see the decision you know i mean even the fact that they fired Joel Quenville i mean that if you're going to try to take a veteran team and push them into the playoffs you're not going to do it with a guy who's younger than one of your alternate captains.
2: Right. You no, know, and Carlton particularly- himself had, you know, he, when all the people, they started all the meatballs started getting riled up about Crawford playing again. And they asked, you know, and then that naturally the reporters run to call Well, what do you think? Corey's on the ice. And he's like, you know what? It's great. I hope he feels better, but it doesn't really change anything. You know, and and I because I think that I think Collington is, is looking ahead. And I did a blog on this a couple of weeks ago that that he seems to, he seems to really clearly understand where he's at with this team and where this team is at. And he's looking ahead to next year. And, and yeah. you know, Frank, all the things you're talking about, I agree with. I mean, and I would add, in addition to Kajula, I think the Strom trade also was not about this year. It was about the future. Strom's 21. Right. And, And, you know, I so and Trump and literally in the interview, he looks like he's 12. And that's really good because, you know, he may have some growing to do and and he may, you know, he may, you know, gain a half a step of speed if he does, um, you know, some work on his speed, which I, you know, again, I've always said you can't do much about what you're born with, but you could do a little bit if you work on it. So that's fine. It's neither here nor there. But, yeah, I agree. and but the thing is, meanwhile, and this is this is real because the because the Hawks are so marketing driven, more so than a lot of other teams. and And the other thing is is you know there's anecdotally, there's a lot out there that they have not sold the tickets this year that they had hoped to sell, and that affects the bottom line. And you know, but so there's all this nonsense out there about the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. But if if Bowman at the deadline does go into sell mode, which is the wise thing to do, how are they going to handle the 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 PR backlash? Because they're going to have a lot of disappointed people who have just gone off the reservation about this.
0: Well, you know, oh. there's there should be people that are paying to see Slater. Ho-ho, ho-ho.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You've been waiting all night to do that. <laughs> i dying to
0: do that one. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean it's it it's it's frustrating. It, it's really frustrating that you get you you just get a lot of people that are like, well, you know, it could happen. You know, you know, it's like, well, you know, oh yeah, it could. Yeah, it could. It's not realistic though. My my aunt
1: can grow balls and become my uncle too. <laughs> There's gonna to be Neanderthals, slack jawed yokels saying stupid things. <laughs>
0: Oh god! Well, I also have this clip, John. Uh, John Scott, what do you think of uh, Stan Bowman? All right, so the Hawks. You know, I hate to say it, try to blow it up if you can. Their GM's a complete nincompoop, so we probably won't be able to. Uh-oh. But there goes my job with the Hawks. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> the great John Scott, everybody <laughs> weighing in.
1: The next NHL commissioner.
0: <laughs> yeah. So well. I mean, we've, we've been going, we've been going around and around it. It's just, it seems like J, John and I get, uh, we get dragged into this stuff. We, we see something that just sets us off. And then for the next hour, we're arguing with, you know, the, uh, hordes of meatballs coming, uh, coming after us, telling us pitchforks that,
2: you know, a pitchforks crowd. yeah,
0: you, you build, you build your <laughs> team around a 30 year old, uh, you know, who's seen more hockey than almost anyone in the NHL. Um, rather than try to build through the draft and and through your system and developing players. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I got a new meatball alarm for that. So that's what we're (laughs) going to use for the meatball. alert.
1: (laughs) How many sound effects have you got? I feel like I'm on the fucking morning. Oh
0: my God, man. I've got a ton of them.
1: (laughs) The fuck is wrong with them? Figure it out. That's what I say. So figure it out. Oh, pitter patter. Let's get at her.
0: i've got pages and pages of sound clips
1: i actually i actually just finished watching season six of letter kenny right before we started recording oh
0: yeah you know what i i, I, I have to get caught up on that because it's a great show if it you... is and
1: i'm so happy that hulu picked up every single season yeah because i had been going to daily motion kind of me too you know kind that's of what i did for the first
0: three it. i think the first three seasons i did that yeah yeah
1: yeah and uh yeah, Hulu, because Hulu originally only had the first two. And, yeah, then they picked it all up. And I think on Valentine's, the next episode is the Valentine's episode, which you can get because it's already been on Crave. But it will be available on Hulu on Valentine's Day. Yep. Uh, but, but there was an episode in this in this last season where uh there's a mennonite family and their last name is spelled d y c k but it's pronounced dick and <laughs> so <laughs> the entire episode is you know is hey have you seen any dicks <laughs>
0: <laughs> well he could <laughs> yeah you need some kind of energy whether it's a shit a shift a good shift a shot <laughs> Steve Conroy could. check it in yeah.
1: Yeah, but Letterkenny the, – the, more people that probably owe us money. I feel like I've been evangelizing Letterkenny. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you how many people – because what happened was I mentioned it on a, on a podcast, God, back in the spring, I think. And all of a sudden, all these – there were all these little kind of underground Letterkenny fans who came out of the woodwork like, oh,
0: my God, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> It's never oh. like that with good things, you know it's like people you respect and you know, not not some goofball with five followers coming at you It's usually you know people who know good stuff you know yeah they' they'll come in well and, I in I this
1: like case too. it happened to be me yeah <laughs> there you go, yeah on the other hand, it could be me <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you did bring up Yokihara going down uh we talked about that we talked about the keith uh uh. Just real briefly, I mean, I, we kind of touched the, the Keith Seabrook stuff, but this week it was reported out from two different sources or sources regarding two different players that Keith and Seabrook uh, did not want to waive their no-movement clauses uh, to possibly be traded. But the thing with that is, is you, you probably have to tra- have a trade lined up for that to yeah. go to them and ask for right. that and the whole thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, they both were asked. They both said they didn't hear from anybody about it but that doesn't mean anything
1: truthfully i i don't see any reason for the blackhawks to trade duncan keith he's not the duncan keith of 2010 but you know for his cap hit and what you're getting he's fine leave him alone yeah but you know, what? <laughs> you know what? you're not going
2: to trade canter tapes it's not going to happen and it's not going to no. happen for big money reasons and 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 quite frankly, hockey reasons. I mean, you could those guys are still young enough that you can rebuild around them. Um, but um, you know, Keith is the one guy because Seabrook, you're going to have to give something away to move his contract. Right, and something you're not going to get
0: him up. Yeah, something Keith, significant at the, at
2: the deadline, even with his diminished skills, because of his experience, because of his profile. If a team is looking for another top four defenseman, like like a, like for example, the Maple Leafs. Um, You know, if they're looking for for, or the Jets, for example, and I know that the the dollars might not work, but their point is there are teams out there. If they're looking for a top four defenseman to come in and really help them get over the top for a playoff run, um, you know, the the market for a player like Keith is usually a first round draft pick, a young player and a prospect. Typically at the trade deadline, it is a seller's market. It is every year. That's why Bowman got hosed on Andrew Ladd and, and Dale Weiss and Tomas Fleischman, because it's always a seller's market. That's when he was buying. Now he can be a seller. So to me, I hear what you're saying, Frank, about keeping around, but the bottom line is before this team is competitive again, Keith's going to be like 37, 38 at minimum. So I just don't, oh. I don't know what the value is and beyond, I guess, tutoring the younger players, but I'm not sure with his personality, that's like his thing
1: either. Yeah, actually, it, it's one of these things. I wish if I wish, kind of wish Keith had Seabrook's contract and Seabrook had Keith's contract because yeah. Seabrook is more of the mentor type. Yeah, right. right. And but you know, you're not going to pay eight million dollars for a guy to be a mentor. No, it, or seven million. You you, you just can't. But Unless it's beyond you, enough Never mind. Well, well, of course. <laughs> hey, I. You know what? I would take Deion Fanuff only because it would mean Eliza Cuthbert at some of our games. Mm -hmm. But, (laughs) well, you know, anyway.
0: Okay, go uh, go ahead. ahead, But,
1: but Duncan Keith, you know, he's his cap hit is five and change, and he plays like a defenseman who makes five and change. You know, he's he's somewhere, I mean, he's not even as good as Connor Murphy anymore. Right. I don't think, but, you know, you. You've got to have you've got to have a couple guys, and at this point, you know he yeah he'll be a Hall of Famer, but he's not playing like a Hall of Famer, and I, there's no reason to expect him to. No. Um, now, what another what a contending team might think when looking at Duncan Keith is, you know, maybe going to a Toronto or a Winnipeg puts a spring in his step. Right now, what I
2: I think, I, a, I would, I think he would he's a very
1: competitive guy.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I don't think he's, I don't think he's quitting or giving up. But at the same time, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken poop. And that's kind of what 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 they're trying to do right now. This Their defense is terrible. Well, so, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I think if, but I do think if, if they if he landed in a situation where it was a team with a legit shot at a cup. Yeah, that would definitely be a shot in the arm for him. And, you know, that, that team might, because re- that's the other thing. I mean, it's like when the Hawks traded for, for Vermette or Ladd, yes, they were expiring contracts. But there's an element of risk in it, because the, the year they traded for Ladd and Weiss and, and Fleischman, it didn't work. And they gave up a lot. And that's okay. I didn't criticize Bowman for that. And anybody who criticizes their GM for that when you're close to a cup of, you know, overpaying at the deadline, you don't want to win because because that's what it takes you you've, you've got to step up and get those guys and then you pay the price down the line you yeah. know
0: yeah you know what and
2: i think there's a mark i think there's going to be a market for keith and then it's going to be up to keith whether he wants to wave and and i we're still let's see what day is it today today's the sixth so we're still 19 days from the deadline there's all kinds of time, yeah. time I, there's all kinds what
0: of time. i was thinking of uh just just as you guys were talking about this about you know you know what what Keith could get or whatever. A team that I could see fitting him in there on their back end. Um, because they could they could send a big contract back that could be expiring shortly, is someone like uh Tampa Bay.
2: Yeah. Sure. I mean, they
0: could make that fit in there. They're not there, you know, I'm I'm looking at some of their contracts, and I and I there's nothing behind this. I'm just this is pure speculation. I know sure. nothing. But just, just with the numbers, I mean, they got like just under $2 million of cap space now. But they got players that, um, you know, especially on the, uh, on the defense, they have three guys that are expiring this year that they could send back to the Blackhawks that, that would offset that money. Plus, yeah. they've got some, you know, they've got a couple of guys on you know, a couple of forwards that make big money that if they really wanted to get rid of them, they could get rid of them. Uh, and I don't know if the Blackhawks would even be interested in them. But I'm just saying that something like that would make sense where he, right. he was back to an to expiring
2: his... deal that they take back yeah. and they lose that cap pitch of line one. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: And then they may have to hang on to someone who has you know, maybe a, a an undesirable contract or something like that. They'll do something with that. Or I don't know what they're going to do, but
1: well, okay. And the other thing too, like, like John was saying, it is, a, if you have any doubt of it being a seller's market, just look at the fact that Brian Boyle brought it too.
0: Yeah. Well, look what Brian, Ryan Hartman brought back last year. Yeah. yeah, that was that was insanity.
2: There's yeah, a- I mean, it's it totally it's a solid and that's the thing. And and if they really want to come back in a couple of years strong, they've got to be making moves right now. They do. And and because there's this five game winning streak, all it does is it creates false hope that things are, are going well without any major changes. And I get it. I mean, it's, a lot of fans are afraid of change because. The, you know, they know the Hawks, they know they know the Rockford roster, but they don't perhaps know the rest of the league that well or other teams pipelines, which, quite frankly, most other teams have better talent pipelines right now. The Hawks have improved their talent pipeline, but it's it's still not the best
0: in the league. No, and right? it's, well, it really lacks in a lot of areas. I mean, they got yeah. a lot of defensemen. That they yeah, could well, be promising.
2: They have a lot of small defensemen, small puck moving. Defensemen. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm,
0: I'm just saying that, that at least at that position they look like they have a lot of promise. Well, how many yeah. centers do they have in the in system right now that look all that promising? Maybe Evan Barrett, but what's yeah. he going to project out to be? I mean, uh, some of the wings, sure, maybe, but there's there's not that Alex DeBrinket out there that's out there, you know, putting up these huge numbers somewhere.
2: Well, that, Dylan Secura was before he became
0: Dylan Secura. Hello. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well that oh, was our trade that was their trade deadline acquisition last year. That right? was their big move last yeah. year. Yeah. And
1: Alex DeBrinket was—he was he was the he was a classic Stan Bowman draft pick. Stan loves to get these guys who have worlds of talent, but there's always a knock on them. And right. like Saad. Uh, yeah, and Sod was Saad was a mystery to everybody because Saad I was absolutely stunned when Saad wasn't a first-round pick.
2: Well, he had a, he had a knee, he had a pretty bad knee injury, and they weren't sure
1: how well he was going to come back from it. And that was that was a big part of why he dropped. And but you know they like you look at some of these guys that Bowman's picked, especially you know you Kyle Beach was a head case. Taravine and Teravainen, and DeBrinket both had the same problem: where off-the-chart skill set, really lazy. You know, and yeah,
0: Nick Schmaltz. Know, Nick Schmaltz, yeah, right.
1: Nick Schmaltz, so, another Nick? guy, a lot of talent, a lot of talent, but a head case. Right. And, you know, and it's funny going back to Nick Schmaltz and Dylan Strome for a second. I was as we were talking about, it, I was thinking, you know, I never thought of it before we were talking tonight, how much that trade can resemble when the Blackhawks traded Tuomo Rutu for Andrew Ladd.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Where, you know, t- two two first round picks that just weren't clicking in their environment
2: yeah
1: you know like Ruto, when Ruto was a Blackhawk you know the Blackhawks had nothing <laughs> and you know so we, we got to be treated to watching Tuomo run around the ice chasing hits
0: yeah <laughs> hey you mentioned Tuomo Ruto Chris Black's ears are ringing somewhere because that's Chris <laughs> Block's guy his, his dog's name is Ruto <laughs> So don't say I'm but. not a fan of Chris Black and, and Hockey Night. I know the I know the past. It would be awesome oh, yeah. if he named his dog after Yarko too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um
1: but uh but yeah, you know and the same reason why I say, you know, if the Hawks could just hang on to Keith because he doesn't make a lot of money, and but that's the same thing that makes him attractive to other teams. And and I'm sure what the Blackhawks would be very happy if, if they're going to trade Duncan Keith, they'd really love to trade him to the Eastern conference because you don't want, you don't want him coming into the United center more than once a year.
0: Well, you know? I said that same thing about, you know, uh, our, our writer, Aaron Goldschmidt. I, I, sorry, Aaron, I'm going to bring this up again. A couple of weeks ago, he wrote this thing out. He's like, and it was just a hypothetical thing. Just, you know, what kind of a return that this player could get, but could, the Colorado avalanche trade for Patrick Kane. And he kind of threw out a scenario and, you know, just whatever it was, it was all hypothetical and it was just kind of a, a dream scenario thing. And my first reaction was there's no way the Blackhawks are going to trade Patrick Kane in the same conference and have to face him that many times for the next, yep. what, five years, four yep. years. That's They just wouldn't do that. But I digress.
1: Yeah, I, it, but it's the same sort of thing, you know. You can't the guys that you've been marketing the hell out of for a decade. You don't you don't want them coming in in a road sweater, you know, three four times a year. Yeah. But again, I mean, I, I I
2: think if if they really if they do sell at the deadline and they do sell, say a Keith or you know, I I, I, I it it almost feels like you're you're kind of admitting without coming out and saying it that you know the the real rebound is going to be probably 2 years out and um I don't know I mean they've sent a lot of players to Arizona which is in the which is also in the west and uh they have, they have they don't seem to have thought twice about that and uh so I don't know Yeah
1: well they also they also haven't built marketing campaigns around Henestrosa and nick schmaltz
2: no well, yeah you're right I, mean, I hear you i hear you i just i don't know I, I i again i feel like if they get a good offer for keith um you know if it was st louis yeah i could see it you know um yeah i feel like if they get a good offer from keith and it's in the conference you know they might think think a little bit more about it but again what it's going to come down to though is, is that keith has it as a no movement clause and who he waves for is entirely up to him
1: oh yeah so, again, it, which it, is it, which is why if i think if you could find a team, the one team that I think he would absolutely wave for in the Western Conference would be the Canucks. Right. Vancouver. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, his his ex wife and his son are back in British Columbia, and yeah. I'm sure he'd, he would wave to be closer to his son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. The you question
2: know. Is, is do the Canucks need him that much at this point? I mean, they're really they're on the bubble too and uh yeah, I mean that's they're the a thing.
1: young team they're a young team and you know he he could be in, not necessarily a mentor but they're at least the, but at least the guy who you know can come in and say okay here is what it here's what it takes to win a cup and also you know here's a guy who he's an he's a established star he's a future hall of famer yeah. and he has a work ethic that's absolutely second to none. So he's, you know, he's the guy you can bring into a young clubhouse like Vancouver's and, you know, the young guys can look at, and Duncan Keith doesn't have a word. He just has to go about the business of being Duncan Keith and they will see how hard he works. And that's what it takes. Yeah. You know, um, Patrick Kane, when Marion Hosa first came to the Blackhawks, that was one of the things that yep. was impressed upon with Patrick Kane was he saw how hard Marion Hosa worked.
0: I think a lot of people saw that yeah 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 that's that's something they're missing i mean that's oh. when we go back to the whole they can't make a you know it's not realistic for them to make the playoffs, and even if they were to make the playoffs they're they're not going to win more than a, maybe a game if not get swept was that they don't have they don't have the secondary players like a Marion Hossa or a Patrick Sharp or a Nicholas Jalmerson. They don't have any of those kind of players on this team. After the top, and the, and really, this this team, they're, the reason they're so hot right now is because they're on an improbable play or a power play run, which is yeah. never going to maintain. And Cam Ward well, is standing on his head. Well, Cam Ward's standing yeah. on his head. Then you have Patrick Kane, who's having a career year, and Jonathan Tays, who, who's having a bounce-back career year. All these improbable things, things that shouldn't have all happened at the same time are all kind of happening at the same time. And it's still keeping them out of the playoffs at this point in time.
1: Well, what you're seeing right now is a sick dog who's perking up to get in the car, not knowing it's his last ride to the vet.
2: Oh, <laughs> 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 well, we got to record that. And put Y'all that need on the cell board. Of
0: Jeffrey. It'll calm you down.
2: <laughs> oh, beautiful.
0: Oh, Fork, you you come up with the great one liners.
2: <laughs> oh, I hope I just we gotta tell the meatballs to tune in so they can all hate fork for a couple of days.
1: <laughs> oh, they hate me anyway. <laughs> no
0: one hates fork, come on. No oh, one hates fork at all.
1: The line forms to the right, big guy. <laughs> hey
0: I just found out today that Slater Cuckoo's big sister blocked me on Twitter. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> I've never said anything bad about Slater Cuckoo, but uh, I don't know. For some reason, his big sister has been blocked. That's classic. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, like with me, it's funny because there's certain people who've, who have blocked me, who are part of Blackhawks media, but I also know <laughs> from, our, Wonder why. from our day. Yeah. Well, but they blocked me because I very rarely took writers directly to task, but yeah. Barry, Rosner was us, certainly one of them. <laughs> Barry Rosner was certainly one of them, and Jesse Rogers was. asked us to do that. That's um, very difficult for a man of my intelligence to handle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Back in a box, Lass.
1: Yeah, because um, I think I think I the time I really dragged Jesse Rogers was when he suggested the Hawks go out and get Jeff Finger. Oh, God, and. <laughs> I, I would just regularly drag Barry Rosner over uh, his un, his unlimited love for all things Trent Yanni, <laughs> and he he honestly thought Trent Yanni was the second coming of Scotty Bowman as a coach, and so yeah, they blocked me on Twitter. But I also know, like, just like you know, the days when uh, Fells put out his program, it's like you know the right. You know, a lot of the mainstream Blackhawks media thought we were terrible people, but damn if those issues didn't find their way into the press box every game. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, like the the mainstream writers hated us, but they also loved us because we, you know, we everybody who was part of Hockey Night, we all are what we want to be when we grow up. We didn't, had we had no aspirations about uh using hockey night as a springboard to become, you know, writers and move on into bigger and better things. We were doing you know it was a hobby to us and because of the th- right. that we had no aspirations, we also had no fear. So um yeah, we would just take on the world and we didn't care and I think I do think there was a little bit of envy with uh people who wrote for a living and look it's I know being a sports right hard life, man. You the money there's not a whole lot of money there. Oh, um, and you travel a ton. You, you travel a ton, so you're not seeing your family. You're not making a lot of money. You know, you're you know, we can make fun of them for the press box buffet, but hey, man, you know it's a meal they don't have to go out of pocket for. And you know, so I I respect the fact that they do what they do because. This is, this is their dream that they're chasing. And Hey, you know, but at the same time, you know, if they're going to say something dumb, we have to call them on, you know, well,
0: no, yeah, for sure. I agree with you. do say dumb
2: stuff all the time. Yeah. That's,
0: uh, that's what actually, uh, you know, it spawns a lot of the stuff that comes from John or I, or a lot of stuff that comes on the podcast is when people say these dumb things. And I, and I actually brought this up. We had a little uh, meetup a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know some of the writers and and stuff. Uh, and I brought this up that I I was thinking about pulling clips from all the podcasts of all the stupid things that we get angry about and playing them all and then addressing them each on the podcast. Mm. But uh, <clears throat> I, I we've done that to to some degree on some of the things like the the uh, uh, the press conference for Jeremy Calliton and a lot of the stuff that was said in there. And we've done yeah. that a lot, but it's like. We almost can't help ourselves. So I completely understand oh, I what you're saying. Yeah, I can't well, we, help myself. We
2: deconstructed that press conference. That was yeah. that was pretty brutal. I think that's where we found our voice.
1: <laughs> like yeah. yeah, and like for me for me, I'm a Blackhawks fan who hates ninety-nine percent of Blackhawks fans.
0: I agree. I agree with so, you completely. Yeah, I think and, we're
1: pretty much we're pretty that, much landing there too, Frank. And yeah. that was that was always my, our fertile ground. And you know, like I don't even remember what the hashtag was that you guys brought up for like you know things meatballs say or something. be Me- You might be a meatball if. if. Oh, that one too. And, yeah, uh, meat splaining.
0: Yeah. I was saying that one too. Yeah, yeah. Go because ahead.
1: I I meat said splined. that and the, the the meatballiest thing. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff about just Chicagoans in general that I think are hilarious because, yeah. like, the fact that you cannot change the name of anything in the city of Chicago. People are getting worked up over the Oriental Theater being named the Nederlander Theater. In the meantime, it's like, how many goddamn plays do you people even go to?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: right. You know, it's the same thing Willis Tower and my Macy's and all that. But yeah, for sports meatballs, the two words that have to absolutely be expunged from every Chicago sports fan's vocabulary are "bring back." That brings. There is... Frank, that was so funny. That yes.
2: was go. <laughs> those for That was so
1: funny. But it's true. Everybody, everybody wants to bring someone back. Yeah. Well, well that's that's.
2: But that's a hawk fan thing. I, it. it's, yeah. I don't notice that with the. Oh, big, it's a
1: Cubs fan thing too. Yeah.
2: We, we don't. We don't. We don't talk about the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, so. but
0: that, that that's totally right because that's. I was going to bring this up earlier with the Duncan Key thing and all this stuff about you know how. Uh, well, apparently, people.
1: Go. The Hawks should trade him away so they could bring him back. Yeah,
0: well, apparently people are under the impression that if they've played in Chicago for even one day, it's their home and they have to come back to their home. And it's the it's one of the greatest places in the world to play. There aren't, you know, 30 other cities or at least 25 other cities that are actually pretty good cities to play in, too. Blackhawk
1: fans, Black fans are becoming very they're in very real danger of becoming the St. Louis Cardinal fans of hockey.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they are.
1: BFIH.
0: There, yeah. There's,
1: there's a,
0: there's a, I, it's a, I think
2: it's a very real phenomenon. A lot of the fans that we're talking about have become hockey fans in the last 10 to 12 years. And they know the Hawks. They know the former Hawks. They read about the future Hawks on blogs and that's their comfort zone. Yeah. When you, when, when you start at talking about other, other teams, prospects, other teams, players, other teams, executives, other teams, coaches, they, they, they revert back to, well, why don't we bring back that one guy that played wing in 2012? I mean, it, it the because I think there's, they have a comfort with that because they know that they know that guy, they know he played for the Hawks and um, it, it's, it, it it, you know, it's partially because they've been spoiled. I mean, this has been a fantastic era of hockey. Uh-huh. At so there's a natural presumption that everything's great. All of our guys are great. All of our prospects are great. I mean, literally every summer on Twitter, there is some prospect or group of prospects that is anointed as as future Hall of Famers. And generally speaking, it doesn't work out. And it, it just and it, it just blows my mind because it just keeps happening. Like people never learn.
0: The worst thing that oh, can happen with all that, though, is you get an Artemi Panarin. Because then all – then everyone's like, see, it could happen. And and that's – that. those responses, I just want to punch people in the face because that's the dumbest yeah. – see, it could happen. You never uh, know. Yeah. yeah,
1: and you know, here's the thing with Artemi Panarin is, again, bring back. Bring back Panarin. Right, exactly. You know. Pay, pay $9, $10 million to have Artemi Panarin come back to the Blackhawks. And every, what everybody forgets about Artemi Panarin, everybody looks at the stat sheet and says, hey, you know, he scored all those goals. But what people forget is how both years he was with the Hawks, yeah. right around March 1st, he'd stick a rocket up his ass and light it yeah, so he could hit all his numbers to get all his bonuses. It's like, where was that in December? Right.
0: Well, so. I and I don't have a ton of sources and connections, but what I had heard from someone who, uh, if you know, uh, had heard this from this particular person, it's pretty reputable. That um, one of the reasons and there are, many, you know, there are several reasons why they traded Panarin away. You know, of course the, there was the salary consideration, but also that the Blackhawks front office did not believe that Russian players. Play well in the playoffs, generally speaking, because they're not getting a paycheck.
1: Yeah, I'm not buying that because yeah. Scotty Bowman did pretty goddamn well with the Russian Five.
2: Yeah, in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, but the, 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 you know the thing about the thing about the whole Panarin thing is um, he's a he, listen. He's a great offensive player. However. As I've argued now several times on on Twitter with people, left wing is not a huge area of need. And if if you like Alex Dabrinkit and you think Alex Dabrinkit is part of the future of this franchise and you're enjoying the production he's having this year, understand his opportunities would be limited by the return of Artemi Panarin. They can't play together. They're both left wings. Yep. Further, they can't play together with Patrick Kane. Only one of them gets to play with Patrick Kane, and that's going to be number 72, assuming he would come back. Right. which I still think is I think is doubtful. But then here's the other issue that I keep telling to people and it's like literally talking to a brick wall. He he can't he doesn't play defense. He doesn't
1: solve what's wrong with this team. No. Well, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. If you honestly think if the Blackhawks have 9 or 10 million dollars sitting around to spend on a free agent and you think that that money is better spent on Artemi Panarin then trying to figure out how to make Eric Carlson fit into the Chicago Blackhawks, you need to have your head slapped with a week old dead trout because (laughs) there is just no way in hell you go after a forward, even a forward with his scoring skill. When you can go out there and get an absolute franchise defenseman, you can get a guy who has the skill set that Duncan Keith had eight years ago.
2: And you know it's funny. I, I'm not going to claim to be the, the world's you know ultimate expert on Eric Carlson, but I will say this: when I have seen him play and play in important games like the playoff run that the Senators had a couple of years ago, I, I didn't. I was not struck by him not being a good defensive player. He actually reminded me a lot of Duncan Keith in the defensive zone with plays he made with his stick and the way he took space away from other players and got the puck out of danger really quickly. And really effectively. He reminded me a lot of Duncan Keith. And when yeah, I saw.
1: And, well, and I if heard- you want to go back a little bit further. He's also in this. You know those two are cut from the same cloth. Brian Leach was cut from.
2: Right. Right. And and when I saw the numbers today. On, on Carlson's numbers this year. I was that's, I was sold. I'm all in. Because he you know. I, I you know people said well. You know he's had a foot injury. And he you know that's that's really slowed him down. I don't The The numbers suggest the guy's not slowed down. He's 28 years old. If you want a guy to tutor Adam Boakfast and be a role model for Adam Bochvist and how to play the hockey in the NHL, that's your guy. If you want a guy to light a fire under Eric Carlson, or excuse me, Eric Gustafson's ass in the defensive end and show him how it's done, that's your guy.
0: Um, His countrymen. And, yeah. And and, 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 and you, if you want if you want a guy,
1: you might be able to salvage Gustav Forsling. Right. Right. So
2: to me, you want to spend $9 million, you know, for, say, seven years on a player, go out and get Eric Carlson and do what you have to do to get him, because that will dramatically improve this team next year. Dramatically.
0: John, you've been been saying that for a couple months now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but But I'm all in, though, because when I saw those numbers today, I was just like, you know, the guy is head and shoulders above. I mean, he's got better defensive numbers than Brent Burns and Mark Edward Vlasic. Yep. We're both really good defend, de- defenders, and he has the best defensive numbers on this team, not to mention off-the-chart off offensive numbers for a defenseman,
0: you know? Well, I've so, likened yeah. the whole Panarin thing, and I'll, I'll say it again. I've likened the whole Panarin thing to, you know, you, you got the guy who's, you know, in a budget apartment, and he eats ramen noodles on the stove and, and all this stuff, but you look out the window, and he's got a $75,000 Escalade. Yeah, he's got a $75,000 Escalade sitting out in the parking lot. That's solving none of his problems, and he's not putting his money in the proper place. It'll look nice yeah. when he's driving down the street, but what it, you know? What's it really doing for him in the end? It, it's the yeah. same thing with the Blackhawks and this Panarin thing. It's just it's a flashy and when he, thing. And when to
2: he's keep driving that, he can't drive his his sixty thousand dollar Beamer. That <laughs> that is in this case Alex DeBrinket because yeah. DeBrinket would get less opportunities, less time on ice you know, less power play, et cetera, all the way down the line. And, and, and here's the thing. If you don't get Panarin and Dabrinkit keeps improving like he's improving, I am not. I don't think he's ever going to be an Artemi Panarin, but he can be close. So why? You know, the, the problem is you cannot play both of those guys with Patrick Kane at the same time.
1: And, you know, and I really think that next year that second line is going to be, you know, from from training camp, it's going to be Strom between Dabrinkit and Kane. And the top line is going to be Taves with Sod on his left. So if you were going to bring in Panarin, you know you're not going to want to have Alex DeBrinket skating third line minutes. And at this point, you know DeBrinket almost at 30 goals already. So basically, yeah. you've got Artemi Panarin for a lot less money.
2: It's it, it younger. He is kind of Panarin light, and yeah. what's, what what remains to be seen is over time. You know, how much he closes that gap between where he is now and the player Panarin I will tell
1: you this. No, he'll
2: never be the skater Panarin is. Never will be.
1: He'll never be the skater Panarin is, but Panarin can't create plays like Dabrinkit can.
2: Panarin... The master of getting that shot, you know, of using defenders as screens. That's true. He's really good at that. Right.
1: You know, Panarin is great at that, you know, the one-timer from the circle. You know, he does that poor man's Ovechkin thing from the circle, and... But the entire league was able to read the cross-ice pass that he and Kane always used to do. You know, by by the end of his run with the Blackhawks, another thing people forget is by the end of his run with the Blackhawks, every time he would attempt a cross-ice pass to Kane, it was getting picked off and yeah, being turned works. into a breakaway.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why they didn't, didn't get uh, swept in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and that's why Artemi Panarin turned into Brandon Saad.
0: Yeah. Well, John, I know you were talking about the, the long playoff run that Eric Carlson had and how he really impressed. Don't you remember all those long playoff runs that our, our Timmy Panarin's had in his career? <laughs> Man, this
1: guy's freaking delusional.
0: Yeah, he's made it out of the first round. In Chicago you know, or out of people, Chicago.
2: Yeah, people forget this, but but Columbus damn near beat the Caps in the first round last year, and I had the opportunity to see a couple of those games, and one of them in person, and and uh, Panarin was the best player in the ice. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. He's a great player, but the problem is He's not really what the Hawks need, and I mean, I know that emotionally, a bunch of meatballs need Panarin, but that's 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 not what they need from from a hockey standpoint. The, the Blackhawks, they don't really need, to, they don't dramatically need to improve offensively. They've they've got a pretty good offensive team, and it's it's evidenced by the numbers. Where, where this team needs to improve dramatically, and not just to next year, but but going forward in the future, is on defense and. You know, until it's proven that Boquist and Bodin and, and Chris and uh, Mitchell are going to be regular contributors in the NHL, um, they, they, they need to keep it, and, and I still believe they need they need to get some bigger defensemen, especially those who could play the right side to fill to round out that defense. Go find the next Nicholas Jalmerson or the next Seabrook. Um, so I mean
1: that that's where they really need to be looking. And I will I will say that Dahlstrom has been a really nice surprise this year. Yeah, week. Yeah,
2: he, yeah, he's a night, nice, he's a night, nice, he's a good, he's a nice depth. He's defenseman. nice. He's, yeah, he's yeah. A depth defenseman, and I, I think he could be a third pairing defenseman for this team. The problem is I don't think they have room for four or five. 175 pound puck rushing left side defenseman, and well, and I don't think
1: I don't I, think that's the plan. I think the plan is that they went out and they got a bunch of guys who can rush the puck, knowing that some of them are either going right. to flame out or get traded. Right, right. I, I, And I, I think you're absolutely right. So you but, get yeah, five, we, two yeah. pan out. You've got two really good puck carrying mm-hmm. defensemen.
2: Narrative right now is that all four of them are going to be on the team next year, and it's going to be awesome.
1: And they're
0: going to win a yeah. cup next year. That's insane. Yeah. Well.
1: I mean, you know, again, going back to a Stan Bowman special, this, one of the Stan Bowman specials you'll get is the Ian Mitchell signing a contract the day after Denver University's done playing, so he can come in and play a couple games with the Hawks and burn right. your entry level, right. and then he'll spend most of next year in in Rockford, like like Dylan Sakura, same, and thing. Blake
0: Hillman right. and Dennis Gilbert, right. Yeah,
2: and, and the immortal Drew LeBlanc, Drew LeBlanc, John McDonald was was absorbed in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Drew LeBlanc. Every once in a while, he pops up in my Twitter feed. He's doing something over in Europe somewhere, like in the, I don't know, the well, Dundee
1: uh, Siber- Stars of the British Hockey League, the yeah, the Siberian
0: Whoa. Hockey League, or something.
1: Okay, I'll I'll say this about Drew LeBlanc, which is. He had, he's probably pretty good in those leagues because his instincts were really good. He, he couldn't just, skate. He couldn't skate. Yeah. So he's one of these guys that I think is going to be a, a pretty good coach one day. Could be. Could be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you always got to kind of side-eye Hobie Baker winners, particularly when they're, you know, like like LeBlanc he was a fifth-year senior when he won okay. Hobie Baker, which meant he was a man playing with boys. Right. Now you got Mitchell, who's a Hobie Baker finalist this year, but he's a true sophomore. Right.
0: Oh, you also so, have uh, Evan Barrett, too. Right. Who's playing very well. But again, he yeah. he only projects to be like his his ceiling, may be third line center. Like, right. He, he I, may I, be the best I, player in the country, but third line center in the NHL. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I see. Yeah, I see Evan Barrett kind of being like maybe a dave bolan type because he's got a pretty solid two-way game but yeah he's not going to be a big lamplighter in the
0: nhl i brought him up we had a guy that uh covers penn state hockey and we were uh uh, aaron and i were speaking with him and uh the comparison first i brought up the dave bolan thing and and he wasn't really biting on that but i said what about another guy and this stirred all this will stir all the meatballs up and that's andrew shaw and he's like, yeah, he's more like an Andrew Shaw than he is a Dave Boland. I'm like, Ew, woof. you know, I think, you but
2: go. I'm going to go back to something that I often say here on the on the show, but it's 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 quite applicable in this case. It's real easy to be an Andrew Shaw when everybody's wearing a full cage. You know, yeah. Uh, college college is the gentleman's game. I mean, even compared to junior and. Um, that doesn't mean that Barrett's not going to be a nice player in the NHL. It's just it's so hard to, pro- especially college players are really hard to project because because they, they you know, like Jim Collins, who once played for the Hawks said he played at Michigan State. He said, you know, college is so different because because of the full cages, guys run around like they're 10 feet tall. And it's and it, you get a rude awakening when you get to the NHL. And I think that's exactly what happened to Sakura. I mean, I saw I saw tape of him making plays in college. I said to myself, there's no way he's going to be able to go to those places in the NHL. It's just not there. Oh. The, the open ice is just not there. And furthermore, he weighed 175 pounds soaking wet. He's not going to be able to navigate it. And that's what's happened.
1: Well, and, we, you know, that was one of the big questions with DeBrinckitt when you saw DeBrinckitt play. And, you know, first of all, there were the questions about his work ethic. But also, every time you saw highlights of him in Erie, you know, he was on a line with McDavid and with Strom. Right. so he he got so much room yeah. when he was skating in Ontario League, and yeah. you know what would happen when all of a sudden those spaces closed in really tight, really quick.
0: Yeah, that's what and, that you know, was my He thinking, plays sir. junior,
2: and junior junior's a little bit more of a rough go, I think, than college. And I I could be wrong, and and guys who played at junior or college or both could could tell you more, but I that's just my suspicion. I think I think I think juniors a slightly rougher game. And um, you know, they don't wear the full cages, they're not required to do that. And the thing about the brinket that has impressed me since the day he showed up, and I had my I'm, it's been well documented. I had my doubts about him. Me too. But that kid's willing. He doesn't he he'll go into the dirty areas, he won't always come out with a puck, but he's he's certainly willing. And yeah. that's made a huge
1: difference for him.
0: Well, that's why and, he's doing know, what he's doing and why Dylan Sakura is not doing what he you know. Right. Right. So yeah. Well
2: so uh, yeah.
0: Anyway, all right. Well, we've talked enough a little bit, you know, about the, uh, most of the Blackhawks points that we hit. Well, we did have a couple of questions, so let's answer those. And then I'm going to ask Fork to tell a couple of stories because I had a request to uh, that he tells oh, a couple God. of the old stories. <laughs> so, anyway, Craig, okay. Car- Craig Carlson, Skybone on uh, Twitter, said with some Good of the guy. teams about to enter their own cat nightmares like the Leaves and Lightning uh, and RFA offer sheets just uh, waiting to happen, any chance we see an offer sheet from one of the mid-tier RFA's like Capitan by the Hawks or by anybody else? Sure, in theory, it's great, but it's like everybody's afraid of hurting each other's feelings, and it rarely happens. So I can't yeah. see mealy-mouth little Stan Bowman trying to hurt anybody's feelings. He's but more. The, and the other thing to is, is the draft fans.
2: picks you have to give up if you if you know you actually you know sign the player to the to the offer to the offer right. sheet and it's not matched um you uh you know you have to give up quite a bit, and it's almost prohibitive in yeah. terms of the cost, especially for a team like the Hawks that really needs to hold on to their picks
1: yeah, I mean the the closest thing to a premier player getting sheeted was when the Maple Leafs got Phil Kessel I mean they they were gonna sheet him and they basically traded him got him in a trade for what they were going to offer in a sheet anyway.
0: I
2: think that's traded the first time, too. I think that their Colorado and Anaheim were, were preparing offer sheets for him. Yeah.
1: So, you know, there's but overall, I don't, you know, offer sheets, well, again, you know, if one thing we don't know and GMs do is where the owners are sitting in terms of opting out. You know, if general managers are sitting there knowing that the owners are planning on opting out, um, you won't necessarily see collusion this summer, but you'll definitely see teams reluctant to throw out paper, knowing there's going to be a lockout, knowing there's going to be restructuring of the salary cap. So if you don't see if you don't see a feeding frenzy on July 1st, that's going to be a pretty good indicator that there's going to be a lockout. Yeah. but yeah, I mean, people talk about about offer sheets, but offer sheets generally don't happen. Teams know when they're, when teams know when their sheets being prepared because look, these players have agents. The agents are gonna, you know, if you're Mitch, Mitch Marner's the is the flavor of the month when people talk about uh, offer sheets. And believe me, if if anybody is preparing a sheet for Marner, Marner's going to Toronto. Marner's agent is going to Toronto and saying, look there are sheets on the way. What do you want to do?
0: <clears throat> so, well, I think, I think you, you know, you brought up that the offer sheet thing, but uh, Jalmerson was offer sheeted. Wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Jal,
1: well, Jalmerson was offer sheeted, but where the Blackhawks were lucky was the Blackhawks had a choice to make. And it was actually a pretty, not a terribly hard choice, which was um, the sharks sheeted Jalmerson and right after that was when uh, when Antti Niemi went to arbitration. And right. the arbiter uh, awarded Niemi like $3 million, and the Blackhawks had Corey Crawford.
2: Right.
1: So they were able to just, you know, pat pat Niemi on the back, wish him luck, he becomes a free agent, and then they they match the sheet on Jalmerson. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that wound up working out fine for the Blackhawks.
0: Right. I can't um, I can't think of any other real, you know, in recent history in the NHL, I can't remember what there was, uh, Ryan O'Reilly. He was offer sheeted, wasn't he, by Calgary?
1: Yeah, O'Reilly was offer sheeted and got matched.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think those are the only two of the last two I can remember happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you if a team is serious about an offer sheet, yeah, they'll look at a team that's got a quality player and salary cap issues. And again, and you know, that brings us back to Mitch Marner. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's
0: a team who's going to have to really watch their pennies, pinch their pennies, because with all these salaries, they're going to be, uh, you know, they're, they're going to probably have to let like Gardner go this summer. And yeah, they're going to have to do what the Blackhawks did in the summer of 2010 before they were, you know, before Toronto was even able to win a cup. They're gonna to have to start letting players go that they don't necessarily want to let go, but have to because they're not gonna be able to afford them.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that also went back to the whole Dale Talon fax fiasco where um he wound up having to overpay Chris Fristie and Dustin. Because Stan Bufflin. Bowman
0: doesn't know how to fax qualifying offers correctly.
1: Yeah, well, you know, again, my my good friend Chris Block could definitely tell you about his suspicions of uh subterfuge in the office, basically wanting to do in Dale Talon, and, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the motives were, that's what happened. And, uh, but yeah, the, I think Toronto, you know, you've got, you got, can't, you got the people there in the front office behind the bench and they understand the business of the, of the game. And they're going to know that, if you want to keep some guys, you're going to have to let other guys go. You can't keep every toy in the store.
0: All right. Yep. Um, yeah. Next question, Derek Cevallos. With uh, the power play is really clicking. Who do you think is more? Uh, who do who is to thank more, Barry Smith or the departure of Q? Um um i i don't think barry smith had, i don't know. i don't think either of those <laughs> yeah because barry smith if, if barry smith was the one who could fix the power play he would have fixed the power play years ago oh yeah they weren't gonna wait until they finally fire a Q to get barry smith in there to fix the power well play. yeah
2: i mean but you know i i had heard from a very reliable source that Every time Barry Smith showed up anywhere near the rink, uh, Q broke out in hives. That that was that was a real sore spot because Scotty had been trying to kind of shoehorn his buddy Smith into that situation for a few years, and oh, yeah. Q wasn't having any of it. But I, I the one thing I've noticed about the power play, and I'm not going to tell you that I've you know broken it down, except beyond the fact that I see a lot more emotion in the players. On the power play, they're not all just standing still and watching Kane overhandle the puck at the right half board anymore, or watching anyone right. overhandle
0: the puck for that yeah, matter. And they're moving frankly, the puck. I'm,
2: I'm going to give credit where it's due. Gustafson has found a groove, and he's found a role, and and he's he's gained a ton of confidence running that power play, and he's good at it. And and I'm you know I'll never take that from him. I mean, he really is. He's really good at it. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't make you a you know a well-rounded two-way defenseman in the NHL, but but um, it does make him
1: attractive part- at the deadline. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. If they go that way. Boy, will a lot of people be surprised if that happens.
1: I will. I will put a big red bow on him like it's fucking Lexus December to remember and get him the hell out the door. Yeah. Yeah. Kiss Bowman on the mouth. If
0: well, do that. Well, uh, piggybacking on that after you mentioned Gustafson, Derek well, also has
1: got to talk about the Lexus December to remember. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: piggybacking on that. Um yeah, Derek also asked about Gustafson. He says, what's more likely, Gustafson getting 50-plus points or the Blackhawks making the playoffs?
1: Um. Well, maybe both neither. those things can happen. They just won't happen yeah. this year, yeah. and they won't happen in the same city.
0: They're highly unlikely,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Derek, we had to shut you down on both I, of your questions. And Personally,
1: please. I don't
2: give a crap how many points Gustafson gets or how many goals he gets. That's That's – neither here nor there what matters is is the progress that this team makes the team yeah. and, and there's just not enough evidence of that happening yet who cares about Gustafson, one way or the other uh, you, just,
0: of- you just move him to wing
1: yeah right oh <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah i love <laughs> that nice. one
1: rio roots alignment
0: yeah i i love that one just move him to wing Holy it'll be that easy just like, that's right. I
1: p- I said Ray, Rayo Ruzalina. That's a, that's a name from like 35 years ago.
0: I, I know that name. <laughs> I definitely know that name.
1: Yeah, you know what? Any any experimenting with Gustafson, like I said, I'd like that to happen elsewhere. I don't care where he goes. I just I think the best thing Gustafson can do for the Chicago Blackhawks long term is bring a good draft pick.
2: Yeah, get him out of there and put the put the other Eric in there, the other Swedish Eric in there in his place. You'll see then you got something to talk about.
1: Oh yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. plus like I
1: said, like I said earlier, worse Mike Green.
0: <laughs> worse Mike Green. Much worse Mike Green. Uh, anyway, uh and Jackie, she actually brought up the same question, uh or the things we talked about before with the the uh the no movement clauses. Um but she kind of added also onto that. Uh, pretty sure this will be brought up on the ring So I wanted your thoughts on the big contracts. They should try to move, presuming that 18 and or, uh, 19 and 1988 are untouchable for now. Is one more, should Bowman be let go at the end of the season? Who would you like to see as the GM? Uh, I'm going to start really quick. I've always said all along, I think the Mark Hunter thing would be nice. Uh, he's got a really good you know, background in scouting, developing players. That's something Blackhawks are going to need to do, be able to draft well and, um, develop players and of all positions, not just drafting a bunch of short guys that play the same position, but drafting throughout the organization, drafting, you know, maybe not drafting goalies, but, you know, signing goalies, um, and, and not just getting lucky every once in a while, actually drafting some goalies or, uh, signing some goalies that can actually work their way through the system not Alec Richard or uh, Matt Carruth or, you know, right. insert uh, Rockford, you know, flame out uh, A, B, C, and D. So um, with that, um, but we've kind of talked about the moving the contracts before. Um, it'd be nice if they could get rid of Anisimov and get that $4 million off because I looked at the numbers uh, and basically just after, you know, it, it j- July 1st, if, if they don't resign anybody or anything like that right now, it looks like they have about like $11 million. Um, in contracts if uh the, the fall off the their their payroll. Now, if you could then, you know, get rid of another $4 million and a them off, and something here or there, or like, the, you know, all the meatballs want to trade Drandon Saad, um, even though he's having a pretty good year and he's probably on pace to hit his, or, or at least get really close to his career high in goals, but they all hate him because he, he had a bad year last year. Yeah. Um, you know, it, he's still, a well, pretty see,
1: this is the next part of the meatball arc. When a guy gets traded away, you want to bring him back, you bring him back. And they're like, why did this guy sucks? Why did they bring him back? Bo stink is terrible. I call this the Versteeg curve. Yeah,
0: Well, that, or the, Adulla or the Patrick Sharp or the, yeah. yeah, I mean, it goes on and on and on. You, you can't, you can't stop bringing people back. It doesn't work. Right, And there's nothing to uh, say, you know, there's there's nothing to say that, like, you bring Artemi Pernan back, which is improbable, that he doesn't have a year like Brandon Sod had when he came back here. And then what? Then you got to trade this guy that you just paid $10 million to? I don't know. Do we, do we know he's yeah. gonna, what he's going to do if he comes back here? No. Seems,
1: look, Stan Bowman had a $2 million mistake with Manning. That was easy to move. A ten million dollar mistake is not easy to move.
0: No. Well, neither was a six. You know, if, if when Brandon Saad last year was possibly looked at as being a disappointment or on the trading block or whatever the that article that uh, I don't know it was TSN or someone said was most likely to be bought out or whatever last year that was like six point five million dollars and that's hard to deal with. A Brent Seabrook seven million dollars is hard to deal with. Can you imagine eleven? Yeah. So I mean, yeah. granted,
1: you get productivity, but you know, Artemi Panarin's the type of guy where you know, if a team, if if a team sits down with him, gets a contract put together, what they will try to do before July first is make a trade with Columbus, give Columbus some sort of a draft pick to get a guy like Panarin. So when you sign him, you can sign him for the eighth year.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that's gonna be his incentive for his uh, agent, so yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but but to the Blackhawks but to the point of Jackie's question, I could see I could see the Blackhawks trying to get guys to wave. You know, we talked about Keith, and Keith is a good guy for like I said, for a young team that's and, you know, again, Vancouver is the perfect example. A young t- team that is just finding its feet and needs a veteran leader, a veteran guy, Duncan Keith would be perfect in that scenario. And I, and I think for that situation, Duncan Keith would waive. Um, for Brent Seabrook, you know, as much as we would love to believe that if asked, he'll waive, I don't necessarily think because he, he has lived in Chicago for so long. You know, he's he's got roots in this city, um, you know, whereas, you know, Keith's Keith's got a kid in British Columbia. Seabrook doesn't have that. Um, and, you know, he could be a guy who. Might be willing to waive. if, again, it would have to be the right situation, but overall, I don't see it happening. I'm still going to stick to my guns on buyouts on a lockout and buyouts.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's where I am at, too. Yeah. <clears throat> so,
1: sorry, Jackie, we didn't really answer your question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, she's cool. She has she has questions every episode, so she's really cool. I don't know. I think, I, I think we've uh, beat this into the ground enough right now. What do you think? Fox the compass. All right, cool. Well, it's going to be a little bit of a longer outro here. we got a couple things to address, and we got a story that uh, uh, Forks got to tell, or at least two of them. Um, okay. But anyway... Uh, for all of our comprehensive content, uh, go to www.the-rink.com. Uh, you can find us on all the popular social media: at the Rink Official, at the Rinkcast, at Puckin' Hostel, at Jekyll, and then Mr. Forklift is at Hockey Night. It's H O C K E E Night on the Twitters. Um, if you get a chance. Hey, T U R D A Y. Sorry. If you get and a chance, you can
1: also find me at Tonker.co.uk. Oh,
0: I knew you were going to have to get that in there. <laughs> <laughs> if you get a chance, please head over to iTunes, rate and review us. We did get a new review. I'm going to read it real quickly from Hawkman hockey at its finest. If you want to tell it like it, or if, if you want, tell it like it is Blackhawks coverage. These are the guys to listen to. They're plugged into everything. Hockey, AHL, ECHL, USHL, NCAA, you name it. And they probably cover it. Keep up the great work, guys, and thanks for what you what you do. Thank you, Hawkman, for listening, and thank you for the review. So thanks for the nice words. We haven't had a whole lot of nice words because we're the conspiracy theorists and we're towing the company line. So, Towing the company line. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were told.
1: Okay, so what are these stories I have to tell? Wait, wait, wait. Um,
0: all right, yeah, we're ready for this. Oh, oh, you know what? I want to give one quick shout-out, and everyone's going to be surprised by this. But – um, M- Mr. Mark Lazarus, actually, you know, swallowed his pride a little bit on their podcast, and he thanked me for making their logo for their new podcast. So I'm gonna play this. I, know, I but I,
2: I I got us a logo and I got us a new, I got us our own, uh, our own. Yeah, I'd like to thank. Well, service. Did,
1: I'd like to thank the guy who did the logo for us because I know he hates me and he still did the logo for us. That's yes. pretty cool. Of him. It's a great logo. Fucking uh, hostile. hostile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's never been a big fan of mine. Uh. <laughs> but it's a
0: great logo it's- you're welcome Mark Lazarus for the logo see I can do nice things for people I'm not mean to everybody and I don't hate everything so <clears throat> but anyway alright so back to the stories Um, first story and I've heard both of these stories before so that's, I, I'm fine with this but uh, Mr. William J. Lepetamine who is our uh Photoshop our Photoshop artist. guy the
2: official Photoshop
0: artist yeah. of
1: the rink.com
0: yeah um,
1: and a fine citizen yeah, very head.
0: very fine citizen. <laughs> um he uh he had a question. He he has has seen your Twitter profile. He wants to know the Jim Belushi story.
1: Oh, that's a pretty simple one. Yeah. Um Game six of the twenty fifteen Stanley Cup final. Uh I walked into the United Center with my lovely wife, who is the the adult of the family.
0: I can attest to that.
1: And uh, that was the night that the Blackhawks beat Tampa to win the Stanley Cup. And as I was walking in on the main concourse, uh, you know, you you just felt the energy throughout the building. It was great Um, because everybody in the building knew that the Hawks were closing it out that night. And finally, they were going to win a cup in Chicago. And ESPN, known for their hockey coverage, had a had a booth. With cameras and the whole bit, and Jim Belushi was there at the desk. And as I walked by, I just said, Hey Belushi, eat shit. <laughs> 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 well, hey Belushi to get him to get his attention, then eat shit. And yeah, he gave me a look that clearly told me it was hardly the first time he's ever been told to eat shit.
0: Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So
1: Yes, I, that was the night I told Jim Belushi to eat shit.
0: There you go. Now, the other story, and I've heard you tell it also, is the uh, Eddie Nocheck story. <laughs> the Eddie? Oh, right, right, right. I <laughs> forgot about that one. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Which See,
1: Eddie Chick story? Uh, the, uh, we, actually, we actually had a buddy of mine from high school who's out in Tacoma now. We had him on the last podcast we did where we talked about expansion into seattle and this was before it actually became official mm-hmm. um but his name's vince good guy real commie and uh <laughs> he's a he's a union organizer he's a fucking communist and uh he and i went to a hawks game and there was some guy on the madison bus after the game and you know we were talking to him a little bit and he was you know uh, an old black hawks fan just and moan about everything. this was like the mid eighties, and uh, you know, they hadn't quite hit their stride yet. And um and he, you know, he gets to his stop and uh he's getting off the bus and you know, still ranting and raving, and then all of a sudden he just turns to the two of us and says, And remember, boys, old check sucks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: so
0: yeah that the, i can I, I could probably name off like 50 more stories if we had all night to go
1: i was gonna say i i was surprised that the two stories people wanted to hear tales of cuban bestiality was not one of them
0: <laughs> that's a good one the uh sople uh sople one sopal dong one that's a good one yeah the,
1: uh, and what was yeah i actually shrimp cocktail one. Night, yeah. Oh, mark bell shrimp cocktail uh yeah. yeah michelle goulet with uh Mike Keenan's credit card.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: That's then that one, that one is my personal favorite because uh, I got Michelle Goulet to tell it at a Blackhawks convention.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course you don't uh, get and, the credit for making it for, for that, but uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, actually I, I never heard the story until Mike Kiley, we had him on a podcast and he told us the story and, we made some sort of a joke on Facebook and, uh, Tim Sasson emailed me and basically confirmed everything and added a couple of things to it about, uh, like Steve Larmer knocking him over at a urinal. And I think Larmer punched out a stop sign. <laughs>
0: Good old gruff.
1: Yeah. So, um, cool. So yeah. Uh, Okay, well. Yep, there's the story. Oh, and Mike Mike, Mike Presnowski, uh, okay, on Facebook, he asked me to also bring up um, oh, the no. fact that one time we were talking about Ken Hitchcock. I don't even remember exactly what the context was, but we mentioned him churning butter.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and uh, yeah, you know, yeah, Mike Hitchcock probably sitting there churning butter. Didn't And I said, yo. That's probably a euphemism for something. And folks, (laughs) if you go on to UrbanDictionary.com and look up Churning Butter, it is absolutely a euphemism. And not only is it a great euphemism, but when you read the description on UrbanDictionary.com, you will also get the bonus of learning the phrase population porridge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh excellent <laughs> uh, excellent awesome well i don't have any more plugs uh i did my plug for uh laz um i'm good john you got anything you want to say
2: i got a couple i got our sponsors oh. our mm-hmm. official sponsors puck check them out great gear uh i was posted a video of uh Snoop hanging out with urban Meyer somewhere uh, last weekend and Snoop was wearing the, uh, the puck hockey ge- gear. And, uh, it's cool. And, uh, I get it buy some, it's good. Um, then I will also plug my buddy Brian Oakley from last word on sports. Brian, it turns out is an old friend of mine from, uh, Tim Sassone's, uh, message board on the daily Herald. And, uh, it was good to, uh, to reconnect with him over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, Check check, Brian Eyes, good writer. He writes about the Hawks and the last word on sports.
0: Sweet, sports. You, you got anything uh, going on?
1: Are you guys. Um. Oh, who me? Yeah, you. Oh uh, well, life is life is a bale of tears, and then you die. Eat at Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here, bitches. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well the there you can, go the
2: dog in the car analogy man that that made my night
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i i also don't want to i want people to uh be reminded that if you like to watch uh or listen to uh the podcast on youtube we do have our youtube channel out there the links are uh you know on our website and stuff you can go out there and you can listen uh on youtube as well but uh that's it for me i think we're i, I think we've done enough we said enough um and thanks for having me. Really need enough people. Yeah, thanks for that. coming on.
1: For hey, anytime.
0: You're also you're always welcome, my friend. Good stuff. All right. Well, so uh, with that being said, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the.